and that they will get to meet you today. Lord, I also lift up to you our Pastor Susang and the sermon. May the Holy Spirit help to impart all truth. And we pray that every part of today's service will be a worship to you, and it will bring you glory and honor, Jesus. In your name we pray. At this time, our sister Jasmine Bajwa, who herself was baptized not too long ago, is going to come and read God's word for today. Today's scripture comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. I'm always kind of amazed we get to this day, <laughs> and I always feel like today I need to give an extra good sermon. But it's not really true. Um, I just get to talk about the most important thing that we believe. If you are um, a person who does not consider yourself a, a, a follower of Jesus and you're here, we're so grateful that you came. And, uh, and I hope that today you get to find out why do Christians consider this the most important day on the calendar. And uh, so today I've prepped this message for you called um, Overcoming the Sting of Death. And it comes out of the latter portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is the most important place in the Bible that discusses the resurrection. It's a long, lengthy chapter, deep, incredible stuff. And we're not going to be able to get to lots of it. We're just going to get to the end of it. And, um, and I hope this will help you, especially today. There's a, a lot of uh, dying happening today. And what we need is to find out that there's a better kind of living, okay? That's what we want to talk about. Let's get into it. Part one, the perishing pursuing the perishable. The perishing pursuing the perishable. Part two, the sting of death. This passage talks about a sting of death. And if you are apart from God and do not know the saving grace of Jesus, that's what you're going to experience all the time, the sting of death, okay? And part three, victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Easter is about, <laughs> victory, okay? Let's get into it. Part one, this is how the passage starts. It starts off with this, 
very direct statement. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. That's how it starts. And so I just want to start off with this thing, this question about inheriting. It talks about if you are the perishable, if it says the, the perishable does not inherit the imperishable. Now, I don't know. I mean, inheritance sounds a little morbid. You know, you're waiting for somebody to die and you get something good out of this, right? But generally, let's just talk about inheritance. It's about receiving something valuable from someone else you didn't earn, okay? I just want to start there. Receiving something valuable from someone else that you didn't earn. And I want to ask you this question. What is it that you would like to receive into your life that's valuable? What does you think that's valuable? And I would venture to guess, if you live here in Silicon Valley, um, you're not interested or not thinking very much about things that are imperishable. Most of the things you wake up on Monday morning, and the things that you want, and uh, Tara talked about it too, he's apart from God, what's the next thing? <laughs> what's the next thing? And uh, I, I, I know him pretty well, the next thing was often a video game. <laughs> Okay, but you know, video games are, are they imperishable? Aren't they of the perishable? If you think about all the things you want in life that you think are really, really important, I want you to think about that question. Is it imperishable or is it perishable? Um, when I was uh, in, um, I had never really cooked for myself until I graduated from college and then I went off to graduate school. And so I still remember this. I went off to graduate school. I go through the supermarket aisle. I, I, I realize, like, where are things? <laughs> and I don't even know uh, what things I need. I bought some eggs. I bought some milk. I was like, I guess you need these things. And then about a week later, the, the milk started to smell bad. <laughs> um, because when apparently you are a 22-year-old doesn't know how to cook, you don't know that um, you're supposed to get, grab this thing, and then there's a little date on there, <laughs> and that date tells you that's the day after which you shouldn't be drinking this stuff because that's when the milk, let's use a different word, perishes. Hmm? The milk is perishable. The eggs are perishable. I found out kind of the hard way, <laughs> and I said, oh, darn it. <laughs> And that's like, so then, you know, you learn. And so you go to the store and you're looking, you, you actually, I finally started actually looking through the milk and said, what's the farthest date out? And uh, because now I want it to go, I want the death of the milk to go as far out as possible, right? Because you start drinking that stuff, then you get sick and you start feeling like you're dying. <laughs> so that's what's going on. But if you really think about it, um, doesn't almost everything we want in life is just like that. Isn't that kind of depressing? Um, let's pick something that uh, I think is really great. Uh, I don't know if you know this today, but the Warriors are in sixth place. 
they avoided the plan. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just, okay, whatever. It's blah, 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 sports idiot talking about sports stuff, okay? But if you know what I'm talking about, you know it matters. Because that's going to give them a chance, a better chance, to go get this thing called the championship. And sports guys get together, and you know what they say? This is a very common phrase that sports fans say. Championships are forever. That's what they say. Championships are forever. And you know what? It's not true. It's not true. Do you know who was the champion? Uh, who was the champion shot putter at the first at the first Olympics? Do, do you know who that is? Does it matter to anybody? No. Right. Do you think in 50 years or 100 years, if the National Basketball Association is dead, it's gone, that there's an expiration date, just like the milk, the National Basketball Association is gone, that anyone will remember that Steph Curry won the MVP last year? Will anybody know that? So we say championships are forever, but really, it's just like the milk. And that's sad. Just like the milk. I could just go through one thing after another. You know, we live in Silicon Valley. There's this really great, um, this really great Nobel Prize winning um, economist. And he said that capitalism is creative destruction. And you know what that means? Companies are born to die. <laughs> you know, Apple is the top company in the world right now. But they almost died. They are real close. So you think Apple is going to go on. They're imperishable. Not true. They have a date. We don't know exactly when that is, but they're just like the milk. And you and I, we wake up every day, and all the stuff we want, you get this product, and if you get this product, your hair will just be great. <laughs> If you get this product, there's actually a, a pill that's coming out real soon that'll help you lose weight. I've been listening about this. It's really quite remarkable. And all the early, you know, the early returns on this is it's amazing. Okay? But do you know what? Even if you get that pill and it lengthens your life, you're still like the milk. All these things we want. So here we are. We're dying. You don't normally think about that. But all the things that you want are also perishable. So what is it that you really, really want to inherit? That's the way the passage puts it. And it tells you something that's hard, which is the, perishu the, perishable, the perishable doesn't inherit the imperishable. The flesh and the blood, which we all know dies, can't inherit the everlasting kingdom of God. That's the first thing right out of the chute of this passage. But you know what? This is the next thing it says. And I'm going to explain this part to you. It's a little probably confusing. But verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, who's the we here? The we is believers in the gospel, believers in Jesus. So all is not all, okay? The all in context is the believers. And what does that mean? We shall not all sleep. It's mysterious. Some people get in all these, like, this is the rapture, blah, 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 okay? Maybe, okay? <laughs> I think the meaning is actually fairly straightforward. What it's saying is, if you believe in Christ, 
you who have this mortal flesh and blood, you will be changed. You have this perishable body, you will become imperishable so that you can receive the imperishable. Anyone who's in Christ will get that. That's the subject matter today. We're talking about resurrection. That's what it is. And it says, we shall not all sleep. I think this is all it means. At this point, we don't know if Jesus is going to return and then all those who are in Christ will be transformed. Is that going to happen tomorrow? Or is that going to happen 2,000 years from now? Or even maybe after that? Whoever is still alive, you don't have to die. When Jesus returns, you will change. That's all it means. Not everybody sleeps. Most of us will probably sleep, and then you will be transformed. But some won't. Incredible, isn't it? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So let's start right here. What is Christianity about? It's this. Verse 53 makes it very, very clear. Next. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. So when I was younger, everybody believed there's, there's something like this. Heaven, eternal life, yes. America was more of a Christian nation. Doesn't mean everybody was Christian, but even all the people who didn't, weren't Christian, they all believed that there was some kind of eternal life. Today, we're far more cynical. And we think the secular folks have all the real answers. And since they don't know anything about eternity, they just go, well, all that only that happens here is what matters. And you know what that means? In the secular wisdom, if you don't have anything about what happens after you die, whether your body can actually become imperishable, all that really means is you're only stuck with the perishable. That's it. Your whole horizon for life, you're perishable, and now you're going to go out and find your version of milk, and hopefully it will not spoil tomorrow. That's life today. And that's pretty depressing, but you want to know why Christians care about this day? Because we say, uh, 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 not so. <laughs> There's a possibility, a different possibility. The mortal can put on the immortal, and something different can happen. Okay? Let's go to part two. Verse 56 Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? This is what life is like. This is what life is like without any hope of eternal life. I just want to just start something. I, 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 most people today, we're so just trapped into only thinking about today. We're only thinking about this temporal life. We fill up our minds with perishable goods. That's it. It's only perishable goods that we think about. And because we don't think there's such a thing as imperishable goods. There's no imperishable body, or if there's, nobody really knows, and there's no way to get it. Therefore, this life is only perishable goods. But 
I want to say to you what the Bible says is that means your life has this thing called the sting of death. Now, I already gave you one version of it. One version of it is we're only going after things that dies. That's one version of it. That's one sting of death. But um, let me just talk about something else, right? Um, let me talk about something that's even worse. Life without the resurrection and the hope of eternal life basically means that your life is short and pointless. <laughs> Did you think it really, really mattered that you got all A's and you became the valedictorian of your high school? Or you were at the bottom of your class and everybody thought you were the dumbest rock in school? At that moment, it seemed to really, really matter. But after your life is all over, it will not matter <laughs> at all, <laughs> at all. Because apart, if there is no life eternal beyond, then all life is short and pointless. Um, some of you guys know that I, I study systematic theology, and I really have this kind of this, um, need to know other people's worldviews. I don't know what it is about me, um, but ever since I was a kid, I had more than my fair share of what I call existential angst. Existential angst, what that means is, why does it matter that I exist? I am angsty that I exist. And since I exist, does it matter that I exist? As a six-year-old kid, I cared about that question. So my bro we'd, go to, we'd go to the library because my dad goes, oh, it's good to take your sons to the library. We'd go to the public library. My brother would come back with science fantasy books. I would come back with world religion books. And then when I got to PhD level, I had to read all the smartest people's understanding about the meaning of life. I went and read the Eastern guys. I read the Western guys. I read the, I, something I can't even understand. But let me tell you something that's really basic. Some, we live for justice. Justice is what matters. We will defeat oppression. Racism will be gone. The world will be a better place. Justice will reign. Okay? That's, that's, just a, that's a common one. And then, of course, you have the, the competing visions of that. But even as a kid, you know what I figured out? What if your nation gets to justice, and then your nation just dies, and then the next nation is oppressive. And there is no heaven. There is no hell. There is no eternity. Then all of it, all of it was pointless. <laughs> so that's the kind of kid I was. <laughs> and you know what? I thought that as a teenager, and nothing I have read in any of the secular thinkers has changed my mind. Nothing. And if I say this to you, it's rather rude and a hard thing to say, because you know why? We who are perishing don't want to hear about the sting of death. That's why. Death colors everything in life. If there's no eternal life, it colors everything. Everything, everything in your life is colored by death. So let's just, let's just put it this way. You should be generous to the poor. You should be compassionate to this person. That person on the street over there begging from you, you don't know if they were abused. You don't know if like they, are, you know, they suffered horrible things inside of a war, and they cannot fix themselves. 
And if that was the case, maybe we should be compassionate, shouldn't we? But, you know, generally, we only have so much time, we only have so much money, and so life is short, we're all dying, and so compassion, that's a tough one. See? Because the, it's not just you're dying, everything around you is spoiled milk. Everything. So what before it spoils, we got to get the good part out of it. Uh, this is, I know this is a, like, isn't this supposed to be a happy message, Pastor? <laughs> Let me speak to the young people here a little bit. Um, you're young, and you're good looking. <laughs> I hope you are anyway. <laughs> you, some of you are like, I hope I am too, but I'm probably not. Darn it, I hate it, okay? But you're probably better looking than old farts like us. So when you're young, you want to meet somebody who will love you. But then what if you start to spoil like milk? What if your hair falls out? What if you get too fat? What if you get sick? What if you, something happens to you and you can't work? And you can't make money. It's very hard to say, I'll stay with you. <laughs> One of the reasons why we as Christians can say, I'll stay with you, is because death isn't everything. <laughs> that thing that you feel today, young people, that anxiety that you feel, you got to be good looking enough, you got to get into the right school. You got to be good looking enough. And you feel that anxiety all the time, don't you? All of it, all the time. It's because of the sting of death. I'm incredibly um, concerned about young people today. Um, I'm always reading articles that talk about anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation. Um, you know, I just came back from a vacation. The first day of my vacation was in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was the day I landed in Nashville. What's happening in Nashville today? I opened up my phone. And on the Google map, it said Covenant School Shooting. I looked that up. I said, what is the Covenant School Shooting? And I'm absolutely horrified to find out what it was. So I was in that city when that's what they were dealing with. There's so much death and dying. And one thing that I want to say, if you are an older person in this church, um, we grew up in a time when we covered up the sting of death a little better. <laughs> but today, the young people are feeling that they are spoiled milk and their shelf life is short and they are anxious. Oh, are they anxious? Such that their life, if their life feels so miserable and so bad because nobody cares about me, then they, have, they start thinking about ending it. So that you're supposed to be alive. You're, supposed to be, you're young. Life is before you. Opportunities are before you. You live in the greatest country in the world that offers children more opportunity than pretty much any country ever has, and yet the kids 
are miserable. All of this is the sting of death. While they're alive, the sting of death is oppressing them. It's oppressing us all the time. If you are of strength and you can make money and you can live your life because you've got your act together, okay? I still want you to think about this. You've just managed the sting of death. You've only just managed it. But actually, you're just one or two things away from the sting of death overcoming you. And that's, that's why depression and fear and anxiety are so huge today. It's huge. The kids feel it with just a great intensity. But here in Silicon Valley, we're like, on the outside, we're like ducks. We are above the water, the duck looks really, really calm, right? Under the water. <laughs> and I bet you a lot of you, that's how you live your life. Underneath, there's a lot of, uh, so that if a couple, two, or three bad things happen, the sting of death might swallow you up. Now, that was 20-something minutes of the hard part. But let's talk about what today is about, okay? Verse 57 Verse 57 says this, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what our church is all about. Our church believes every Sunday we proclaim this. Actually, church, this is a great day because it's Easter Sunday. I often think every Sunday is Easter Sunday. <laughs> Do you know that the church, that the Jews worshipped on Saturday, that was a day of rest. God commanded that. But Jesus was risen on Sunday. You know what the Christians said? Let's worship on that day. That's the day that we will live forever. Here is the promise of the gospel, the good news. Why is this person, Jesus, so important to us? If you ever wonder and you're not sure why Christians are so gaga about Jesus, it's because all that terrible stuff I said for the first 24 minutes, we Christians can say, that sting, we could throw it away. That sting, that doesn't belong to us. Now, we forget all the time, and that doesn't mean, we're not, you know, we're, we're not some super people. On Monday, we don't wake up with super peace. Teo said that he has peace. That is like, wow. A 13-year-old who has peace. Today, yeah, that's probably from God. Okay? But, you know, we sometimes are filled with fear and anxiety too. But we have this hope. Here's what the gospel teaches. If you give your life to Jesus... He, the strange thing will happen. People think it's a religious thing. Oh, please forgive me of my sins, Jesus, and uh, accept me. That's all you have to do, by the way. I just showed you how to receive Christ. <laughs> and people go, that's just religion. It's just a religious thing. That's not a religious thing. A supernatural work from God happens. 
when you ask him that. You, who have a mortal body and always want this imperishable, I mean, this perishable stuff, will be united to the Son of God who allowed himself to have a mortal body and then he allowed himself to die the death we deserve. So when our dying and his dying, you will now be one with Christ. And his death swallows up your death. His dying, see, he understands. It's not like he's just, I'm good, you're not. And I'll flick my fingers and you'll be okay. That's not how Jesus did it. He said, I will come down. Since you have no hope of having an immortal body and inheriting the imperishable, I will take on the mortal body and I will take on all dying. Your sinning, your shame, your rejection. I will be rejected. I will be hated. So Good Friday was the most horrible day of all time when the Holy One received everything that he did not deserve and he received what we deserved. Yet, when he did that, all of the dying and death, you know what he was saying? All the sting of death, he's saying, put it on me. Every sting of death was on Christ on the cross. And then he died, but he's so holy he could not stay dead. And he's risen to conquer every sting of death. So when you accept Christ, his dying becomes your dying. All your stings of death, he takes. <laughs> and when he comes alive, because he has taken on the immortal body, he gives you the immortal body. If you grew up in the church, do you believe this? As a kid, I heard this message, accept Jesus Christ and you get to live forever. Okay? I was like, dude, I want that. <laughs> because life is short, even if you live 100 years. I told you I was existential angst. I counted it out. 100 years is a long life. That's the best you get. Okay, most, I probably won't make it to 100 years since I, I like beer and potato chips, okay? But... A hundred years, but back then, I, I was like, okay, maybe I'll make it to a hundred years, but who cares? Eternal life with God, that matters. So I accepted that. But then I lived my life as an adult, and I found that it's really hard to live in the sting of death all the time. I ran away from Jesus a couple times, and I found out there's nothing else in life that will let you plow through. Except that you have a hope. I'm going to give you this verse, and then I want to give you a, and then I want to say something special to the kids, and then we'll close. This is how this uh, chapter closes out, verse 58. Because of all this is true, therefore, beloved brothers, be steadfast. You can be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Some of you will hear that and go, that means I have to work for the Lord. 
I actually think the important part is always abounding in the work that he did in you. It's always grace first. Always abounding in the work that he did for you and it continually does for you. When you receive the work he did for you, then you want to do the work you do for him. And that will be life. It's great to do work that's not pointless, that matters. In this life, sting of death, boom, 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 hits you, hits you, hits you. But there is a way to be steadfast and immovable. And that's if you know that this eternal, immortal body is yours because you're united to Jesus. Now, I want to say something special for the kids. Some of you guys are still, isn't this still basically just religion? Does it work? Does it really have power? Can people do this? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to give you a quote. This has really stayed with me for a long time. I think about this all the time today. I think about people screaming about justice and wicked lies that people are telling the kids. And if we as Christians stand up and say, that's a lie, we don't buy that, then, then they will come at us with the sting of death. We'll cancel you. You're bad. You'll lose your job. You'll be hated. We'll call you bigots. The sting of death, of rejection, of condemnation. There's a chapter in a very important work called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And there's a chapter, it's called Hope. And the hope is this hope. Resurrection, eternal life. He calls it heaven. I'm going to read this out loud, and we'll close this out, okay? If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. They thought a lot about resurrection. The apostles themselves who set foot on the conversion of the Roman Empire. Do you know that for a couple hundred years, the Romans basically hated the Christians, burned the Christians, threw them to the lions, impoverished them, despised them. But they said, but let's give them Jesus. The Roman Empire is short and pointless, but we have the resurrection. Who won? Hmm. Let me ask you that. Who won? The great men who built up the Middle Ages. I won't go into that, but that's, that's worth talking about. The English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. That one you might care about. Do you know all around the world for hundreds and thousands of years, Let's sell this kid, and this kid, yeah, could just be used as a sex thing, sure. This kid, yeah, well, just strong. They could just do construction. And then when they can't do it anymore, we'll throw them away. Slavery. And you know who decided that cannot be anymore? <laughs> These English Christians read the Bible and said, that cannot be anymore. They were immovable and steadfast. Every day they woke up, they were hated. (laughs) 
They look like they have no hope. It will never change. But they said, all this slavery, it is pointless and it must end. It's worse than pointless. We have the resurrection. Let's help it to end. And they won. Hopefully they won forever. That doesn't look like it. But at least for a time they won. All left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. Innocence Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world since we're constantly fixated on the perishable that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Revived Church, can you believe this? If you're a young person here today and you don't think this Jesus stuff matters, I challenge you to maybe reconsider. And if you have some terrible thoughts about possibly ending it, I beg you, don't listen to those demonic thoughts. And if you think your life is pointless, Jesus died so that your life would be infinitely valuable and immortal. Please receive. Let's pray. Our culture thinks that you have to have more money, <laughs> everything's got to be comfortable, more opportunities in the world, and then we'll have a good life. Maybe some other things like justice or something, but then that just is of the world still, and it flies away. But in our culture, is there a possibility that the immortal can swallow up the mortal? That we can receive the imperishable? Lord, we are like the spilled milk. <laughs> we, we are worried that we don't have worth, so we're constantly working, studying, making money, fixing up our bodies and our looks and our resumes because we know that our self is like spoiled milk. And yet you, God, had compassion on us who were perishing. And you came to be mortal so you could swallow up all of this thing of death. And you could offer us immortality, imperishability. And we could live for something far greater. Help us to believe this, Lord. We are so easily distracted. We forget the gospel all the time, even those of us who believe it. It's sometimes just kind of this weak thing that we sit in our head, but apart from your spirit, it cannot live and thrive in our hearts. But we pray, Lord, today, the power of the resurrection would be in us, and we would live life in the tremendous hope, immovable and steadfast, as your word calls us to, living with great hope and joy and power and purpose that we give to all our neighbors, especially our young neighbors. Help us to live this way. If there's anyone here today who does not know this great hope of the resurrection, I pray today they would come forward to me or to one of our elders 
and talk or ask questions or if they're ready, ask of you to come into their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.